Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. And this is Heart Health Radio, where you get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. You listen you learn, and it's fun. You can even call in, 919-860-9783. I'm Dave Alexander. This is Dr. Franklin Weefold. How you doing, sir? Today is Jesus Beck, and uh, we've only got a week until then. Okay, this is going to be bad. Dr. Weefold, I have a bad connection with you. Uh-oh. Yeah, all right. Speak right up, and maybe we can hear and understand, because we couldn't a moment ago. Uh-oh. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can I can hear you. We we may have to reestablish contact with you, but yeah, hang on just a second. Cuz okay. we're we're actually have an abundance of doctors. Uh we have Dr. Macon Singletary on because Dr. Weefold saw a news story that that just seemed odd, but it was right up Macon Singletary's uh um his bailiwick. Dr. Singletary, how you doing today? Oh, better than I deserve. I hope y'all are doing well. We're doing well. There is a story out that says coronavirus spread during dental procedures could be reduced with slower drill rotation. Now, I don't even want to think about drilling teeth. I really don't. I've only experienced it from the patient side of it. Am I correct in saying that the high-speed drill is actually a great concept in dentistry. Oh yes, definitely. That that we that, that we that is your field advanced and became less painful when the drill got faster. Exactly. Less heat. Less heat. I now. Are you aware of this study? But it's done by Imperial College in London. I'm, I'm I'm aware of it. Uh, I read it. I um, I understand it. Um, you know, aerosols has has always been an issue, right? And um, I think it's just another way of just cutting down exposure. I think it's it's probably great technology. I, it's, I'm yeah. I'm waiting to see how it works. It, Dr. Weefall, well, jump in with your question. Yeah. Does it really? Can you really adjust the speed? I mean, is it one speed fits all, or can you have like a pedal where you increase the speed, slow down the speed? I mean, this just seemed like another one of these articles where someone's trying to get in on TV. You know, where oh yeah, all you got to do is reduce the speed. It just didn't make any sense to me because at a slower speed, aren't you going to be churning up more junk and stuff? Yeah, I think I think the. Uh... The idea is that you slowed torque is a, a factor, and I think that's one thing that they're slower speed but more torque. Um, you still have to be concerned about transmitting heat to the pulp tissue. Um, I think there's still going to be aerosols. You know, I think it's just another way of maybe creating a, a, another opportunity to show that we're trying to protect the staff as well as the patient but 
we have high speed evacuations now that really take care of that aerosol. So, um, I don't think there's been, I haven't heard of a single documented transmission of COVID from a dentist procedure. Have you? I mean, I don't think it exists. No, no, there's, there's a, you know, you know, since COVID's been around, I haven't heard of anybody contracting COVID from a patient. You know, we screen people pretty well, and teledentistry has yeah. done a great thing. So, yeah, we, you know, and I don't, I think if you had, if it had happened, you certainly would have heard about it. And it's the same thing with the uh, primary care and a specialty doctor's physician's office. I, I don't think there's a single documented case where someone's gone to their primary care physician and come out with COVID. I mean, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I would have seen it. You're, you're right. Um, you know, it's interesting, Franklin, that, you know, we've been handling viruses, HIV, tuberculosis, you know, uh, hepatitis. We're pretty, we protect ourselves and we, uh, we screen the patient. So it's, yeah, I mean, we're, we're very fortunate. Um, and, but I do think it makes us better aware of what's in the air and, you know, yeah. be a little bit. Well, we practical. have a screening procedure that's about 20 questions. So we call everybody the day before their appointment and we ask them about fevers, whether they've been to places where there's high risk of exposure, whether they've had GI symptoms. I mean, everything you can possibly imagine. And if they have, we bring them in for a COVID test, a PCR test. And we picked up five or six who were positive and, and did not have them come to the office until they finished their quarantine and were tested negative again. So I think this is the thing for listeners. Go to the dentist. Uh, go to the periodontist. Go to your primary care physician. Go to your specialty care physician's office. It's safe. And Dr. Singletary, let me just jump in and, and ask yeah. you, because we got you on... We might as well uh, let people know what you do. Uh, you're at North Raleigh Periodontics. And what's the range of services? Well, we treat inflammatory gum disease. So, um, you know, inflammation is another thing, a factor that can aggravate COVID, by the way. So avoiding me or avoiding getting treatment is not good. Uh, affects your systemic health. Yeah. And you can't. You can't treat this over the phone. I mean, if there's a significant infection, somebody thinks they have COVID, I mean, we can handle that over the phone. But I do implants. I do grafts, take care of tissue that's thin, make it thick, help people feel more comfortable when they eat and chew and function. All right. Doctor, uh, well, both doctors, thank you very much. Dr. Singletary, uh, North Raleigh Periodontics. The website is NorthRaleighPerio.com. Macon Singletary. Take care. Yes. Y'all have a Merry Christmas and be you, safe. You too. You too. God you bless you, Macon. Thank you very much. Okay. So um, we talked a little bit about that. Let's just back up and do what we usually do at the beginning of the show and tell people where we are. We're in a terrible place. The United Kingdom is looking to lock down. They call it Tier 4. I'll bet you nobody's going out for a beer. Uh, uh, you know, I've, I've you know, got red alert, yellow alert, Tier yeah. 1, Tier 6. I wish it were universal. But I think, you know, they're making the same mistakes 
that the blue state governors are making, and that is they're shutting down the places where people really aren't transmitting it. Right. And I think it's where they, they want to be able to say, I'm doing something, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, I think, you know, the Wall Street Journal had a very good article this week about how to cut down. And, you know, 99.95% of people under the age of 70 have a COVID infection that's not fatal. If you're over the age of 70, it's 95% survival versus 99.95% survival under the age of 70. So what's the answer? The people over the age of 70 should be the ones we focus on, the vulnerable, the diabetics, the hypertension, uh, uncontrolled hypertension patients, instead of shutting everybody down and ruining our economy. I mean, you know anybody who owns a restaurant? I mean, I, they're, they're going to all go out of business. And if you look at Sweden, Sweden did not shut down. Taiwan did not shut down. People paved themselves. The vulnerable were uh, uh, quarantined. And, and they did just about as good as we did, if not, and actually Taiwan did much better. Right. So it's craziness. And, and you notice the red states are not shutting down. The blue states are shutting down. And yeah. that's Democratic states. And, and I don't see a difference in the outcomes. In fact, California, which had the greatest restrictions, is probably the worst off right now, don't you think? Yeah, they've got, uh, they've got, uh, th- they're about to overwhelm their ICUs, and th- which terrible. is the worst thing that can happen. Um, and Florida is taking a, kind of a bold step, and they're not closing down. Right. And right. and yet, you know, the numbers are going up everywhere. We've got this map at the uh, the the Department of Health and Human Services uh, website listing what your county is, whether you're orange yeah. or red or, or pink, I think. But we've got 2,846 people hospitalized for COVID right now. Yeah. I don't think our, and I guess we, we can find out more later on, but I don't think our ICU especially in Wake County, are at capacity. But we still have to be extremely cautious. And, you know, I, I flew recently, and I felt perfectly safe. Yes. Everybody wore a mask. Uh, there was, the middle seat was open. They handed out a um, sanitizing wipe. Yeah. Everybody was cur- You know what else was really amazing? What's that? Yeah, you know, there's a mad scramble to get off the plane. Yes. Everybody sat down and the front rows empty yeah. and the second row empty yeah and it was extremely uniform and safe nobody bumped into each other i've been to restaurants like i ate a restaurant last night and it, i felt safer there than than just about anywhere else it's, if you take your precautions it's right. it's i think as safe as it's going to be okay and uh, this whole concept of, of sheltering at home is just not the way to go we're going to talk about the Moderna coronavirus vaccine, how it's different from the other one, and are you going to need a couple of shots? We're also going to have uh, our shame segment, although we won't be featuring the shame music because it's the holiday season. Uh, we're going to we're we're going to talk about some headlines in the news that are so misleading that it's embarrassing. And guess who did not plan to get the vaccine? Guess who didn't? The President of the United States. Everybody think for just a minute. 
why Donald Trump does not need to get the vaccine. That's coming up in just a bit on Heart Health on the Heart Health Radio Network. Heart Health Radio on the radio between now and 2 o'clock. 919-860-9783. For those listening outside the Raleigh area, uh, this radio show is a podcast which is more than an hour and a half long, as it turns out. You subtract news and commercials. So if you're interested, anytime, go to Apple Podcasts or go to hearthealthradio.com to listen to the extended long-form version. Dr. Weefald, there is a doctor by the name of Dr. Vin Gupta, a health policy analyst for NBC News, who says even if you get the shot and you get the vaccine, you should wear a mask. And is that crazy? I I think that um, the concept that Dr. Gupta is talking about might be, you know, that two, two, three weeks uh, before you become completely immune. Right. And I think also some people are worried about that 5%. You know, it's a 95% effective vaccine. Right. And maybe there's 5% that won't. But the, the whole reason why we're trying to immunize, vaccinate everyone is so that we develop this thing called herd immunity. Right. Now, that's not turning us all into a bunch of cows. It's turning us into a population where enough people are immune that we don't have to take the super extra precautions that we're trying to have everybody take right now. Right. And so when I get the vaccine, and I'm going to put myself basically at the end of the list, okay, I'm healthy. Um, when it comes time for the physicians at my stage to get it, I'm going to give it to someone one of my patients who's highly vulnerable who hasn't gotten it yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to continue to take the precautions. Listen, I'm a red stater. I'm, y'all know that I'm a conservative, but we've got to get away from the right-wing crazies who are saying the vaccine is bad and that masks don't work. Right. Do masks prevent, I mean, is that crazy CDC director, what is his name? He said, held up a mask at the congressional hearing and said this is safer than a vaccine or better than a vaccine. That's just craziness. 70% of people who get infected have worn masks. That doesn't mean masks don't work. It means they reduce the chance of a spread. Vaccines work, but they don't work 100%. But once we immunize, and they say either 50% or 60%, some even conservatively say 70% of the population, Right. We're going to reach herd immunity within two weeks after the last person gets vaccinated. Right. And and so, you know, I think once we get into that stage where we feel comfortable, we can't go around wearing masks for the next five years. And I think it's craziness to suggest that the country is at its wit's end because we want to have the American way of life back. Right. Going into a restaurant, going into a store, um, being able to shake hands. When was the last time you shook someone's hand? A long time. When was the last time you hugged somebody that wasn't, you know, your wife or your, your significant other? Right. And, you know, we need to reach out and, and be a, a social, socially active country again. So right. I, I think that that's crazy. 
Okay, there's a headline. Donald Trump conspicuously absent from the list of public fig- figures getting a coronavirus vaccine soon. Now, this is this is another crazy, misleading uh, headline because he just had COVID and he just got over it. His yeah. level of antibodies is still very high. His level of natural killer cells is very high. Now, are there documented people who have gotten it a second time? I suppose there is. But the bottom line is, I think he's doing the country a service by showing that he's not pushing himself to the head of the line. Right. Vice President Pence got it. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of, of, of very prominent people have gotten it to show that it's safe. But I don't think President Trump needs to do that. And I don't think he needs to get the vaccine. And I think that there are a lot of people who are in that queue right now who don't need it. And I think the best thing that they can do, I'm not going to name any names, but they could give that to somebody who's not yet in the queue. Um, I heard a I heard a news story that framed it this way, that the um, right now what's happening is the leadership and then the the other members of Congress and the Senate are getting these, and they framed it as, well, we need to preserve the the, the survivability of the government, right? Yep. In other words, here, okay, all right, Nancy Pelosi, get a shot, you know, and whatever. And I guess my question is, what what would be the bad part if they were out of work for two weeks? I'm just saying. Listen, yeah, I'm going to say that I don't wish illness upon anyone. Yeah, you're right. I'm not going to name names. Yeah. But if some of these people would take a two-week break, maybe we <laughs> could get the COVID relief test. I mean, <laughs> you know what they're hung up on? Yeah. I mean, what are they hung up on? Non-COVID situations. The Democrats um, want there to still be lawsuits available against small businesses if somebody claims the small business gave him or her COVID. Now, why is they, why do they want to still have those lawsuits? Yeah. Because the biggest supporters of the Democrats are trial attorneys. They are the people who push the torts, who sue the doctors. You know, you slip on uh, a, a piece of lint right. in someone's restaurant and you fall, then they want to be able to see you. Now, the bottom line is, this is why the, the stores and the restaurants that are open are doing everything they can. And I stayed in a hotel a while ago. I signed a release form. Really? Saying that if I got, yeah, if I got COVID, uh, from, and I would not sue them saying that I got it from them. And I think that's a smart move. All right. I want to play you a piece of audio that the whole world has heard, but <laughs> come on, just one more time, just one more time. Tom Cruise yeah. losing his mind. I love it. Some people on the set not socially distancing, and they might not have been wearing masks. 
Uh, probably not. Shoot him out because of that. Now, obviously, he did it in an embarrassing way. Was he right? Okay. Now, was he right? Um, yeah, he should have walked up to them and said, uh, we are trying to keep our industry open. Right. The industry uh, gives jobs to common, everyday people. This is how they're going to support their families. Please distance yourselves. And now he just went nuts. He and, did. You know, I guess, I guess the truth is that he should have done it in a calm, cool, collected way. Right. But right. You, know, you, know why, you know why he didn't do that? Yes, I do. Yeah, I know what you can't handle the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm because he is not. He actually attends a church which discourages and, and bans the idea of uh, psychiatric drugs. He doesn't believe in that, right. and that's nope. perfectly fine that that's his belief. But he's got I a just, yeah. he's got a temper. Well, and you know, some people say it was for show. Yeah. Um, that he, you know, remember, remember when he was going to marry Katie, whatever her name is, and yeah. he jumped up on the couch. Up yes, and down. yes. I, I think that maybe they think if they get this stuff out on the TV and in the radio, right. that they'll show just how great they are in terms of their passion for preventing COVID. So I don't know. But well, we do happen to know that there's a seventh uh, movie coming out in that uh, Mission Impossible series. I have to say, I like those movies. I, I I like the impossibility of the stunts. Yeah, where a well, human know, being is. That he's gonna he's what? gonna do it. He's gonna he and Elon Musk are gonna make a movie, and he's actually gonna rocket into space. Yes, and make this movie in space. This is a good idea. All right, we've got more from Dr. Franklin Weefall. This is Heart Health Radio. Obviously, Dr. Weefall is on assignment. But that's all right. We can hear him and understand him, and we're going to continue the show, and it's going to be good. Second hour is going to be a repeat show. Uh, just hang on for that. Uh, other stories we're dealing with. Drinking red wine and eating cheese could reduce cognitive decline. In other words, my memory. Just by drinking red wine and eating cheese, uh, that's a plan. That's a plan for the holidays. Also, a good chance you made out with a drowning victim from the 1800s. This is Heart Health Radio. Our telephone number is 919-860-9783. Go ahead and call it and talk to Dr. Franklin Weefald. Rose Hoban just called. She's uh, from NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. Hi, Rose. How are you? Happy Saturday, gentlemen. Happy Saturday. Dr. Weefold is with us as well. Um, he is on assignment, so he's on the phone. I don't know how well it's going to go you communicating with him, but let me just ask you about the COVID situation. Does it look like we're going to stay on this wacky curfew? Um, it, it seems to me that until the cases in the hospitals start coming down, I'm guessing it's likely. Right. Um you know, I, I think I've mentioned I live in Chapel Hill, and um, I drove down the main drag here, Franklin Street, the other day. Right. And it, it was pretty quiet late at night because I was uh, dropping something off to someone and headed home. And it was pretty quiet. So there weren't like, you know, I've seen like lots of groups of students out 
um, and hanging out outside of bars and restaurants and stuff in the past. And I didn't see that. So I think that's a good thing. Then again, it is sort of vacation time, so it's hard to really tell. But right. um, yeah, I, I think we'll be seeing this until we start to see the, the numbers in hospitals start to fall. Interesting story you wrote, actually co-wrote, about hip replacement and UNC hospitals. Um, you and Ann Blythe. Um, yeah, it's not about hip replacement per se. It's about, um, well, it turns out that the, fed, the federal regulators uh, at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, they're the ones who regulate like Medicare and most sort of federal agencies and the way that money gets to states. They are requiring that hospitals post some pricing online in a way that is um, understandable for patients starting right. January 1. Um, so, so if I, UNC rolled out their sort of their estimator tool. Can I actually find out what a procedure is going to cost me? As opposed to what the insurance company is going to pay, can I find that out before I have it done? Well, you know, see, this is the thing with these estimator tools is that they don't do a great job of predicting. Now, I haven't really used the the UNC one at at, yeah. at in any depth, so it's hard to know. The research out there is that it, it's so hard because you know your hospital is going to negotiate a different price for your insurance versus my insurance versus right. someone who's on Medicare. So, um, you know, the, there is some mixed success to these tools. It's still very much, um, it's, it's an effort at getting people to understand, but, but here's the deal though. I mean, I think for uh, elective procedure, like a hip replacement, people can go out and maybe do some comparison shopping using these tools. But right. something like three quarters of hospital care is unplanned. Yeah. And so most people are just going to end up going to the hospital close to them. And they're not going to like you're not going to be sitting in the back of an ambulance going, let me comparison shop. Yeah. Well, well, you know, and, or they're going to go right. where the doctor is. Yeah. The, the other thing is these hospitals negotiate with, with insurance companies for what the insurance companies are going to pay. So, for example, I have Blue Cross Blue Shield. If I get a hip replacement, it doesn't matter what the hospital charges. They could charge a million dollars, and the contract with Blue Cross Blue Shield will pay a certain amount. And then you right. have that co-pay to a certain amount. The biggest question in these situations are, are they going to balance bill you? Now, what does that mean? That means suppose they charge $50,000 for the hip replacement, Blue Cross Blue Shield pays eighteen, and then your copay will be whatever it is. And then is the hospital going to say, okay, give me that X amount left? And so I think for listeners out there who may not know, all you got to do before your surgery is call and ask for the financial department and say, here, I have Blue Cross Blue Shield. Um, are you going to balance bill me over what they will pay you? And 99.9% of the time, they're going to say no. But one of my employees got an MRI at Johnston Health, and Blue Cross Blue Shield paid per their contract, and Johnston sent them the balance bill. Now, I called them up and gave them a heck, and they got rid of that. 
But hospitals now are doing all sorts of things like this, and, and listeners got to beware that your insurance should cover what they should cover, and you shouldn't get a balanced bill from a hospital. All right, let me organize next week for you. Rose? Okay. We're going to be live on the radio next Saturday, even though it's the day after Christmas. Are you available? I might or might not be. I'm going to be up in New York with my mom. Oh, my gosh. uh, No, take the week. Take the week. Enjoy it. Uh, Tell tell your mom that that Frank and Dave said hi. I will. I most certainly will. And And Merry Christmas. And I'll talk to you gentlemen in in the new year. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, um, and Happy Holidays to all your listeners. And, of course, there's still time to go to NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org and click on that uh, Donate button in the upper right-hand corner, and you get a tax deduction. Uh, you could do that also at HeartHealthRadio.com, except we don't have a tax deduction thing. But uh, no. we'll take donations if you want to throw something our way. Uh, you know, I need a new pair of tennis shoes. So okay. Hey, there there is a story you sent to me that I think is just so weird. There is a good chance that you, now they said made out with a drowning victim from the 1800s. This really I has to do. Fascinating, yeah. It, this has to do with, what what is the name of the resuscitation practice device? Okay, so anybody who's done. CPR classes, and I recommend them, although I'm kind of a maverick, and I think they should teach CPR on TV. Sure. Not hard. And the bottom line is you really can't mess somebody up doing CPR. But if you go to a CPR class, they have a doll, and her name is Resussi Annie. Okay, I don't know how they came (laughs) up with Annie. But Resussi Annie is somebody, you know, they wipe off the lips and you put, I don't know if they do this anymore, but we used to have to put our lips onto Resussi Annie. Uh-huh. and practice breathing. Now, in CPR now, breathing is not as important as the chest compression. So you would do, you know, and this changes every year. Eight right. compressions, two breaths. Ten compressions, two breaths. Well, there was a big kick in Victorian England where you would make a death mask. Right. right? So when you die, they would put this goop over you and then make a, a, a mask out of it so you could take it home and you could have this person's mask on your mantle. Well, there was a woman in England and she was really pretty and she died and nobody could figure out who she was. So they made this mask and they put it in a store and said, who is this woman? They never figured it out. Well, the person who invented Recessi Annie decided to use this woman's face. And so she is now immortal. And she is Rosassi Annie. And so what they mean by making out with Rosassi Annie is that you had to put your lips on her lips and, and do the breathing and stuff. So when you do, if you do yes. CPR classes, remember that that's the face of an unknown woman who died in England of drowning in, in the 1800s. That's creepy. And yeah, it is creepy. <laughs> but I think it's kind of neat, actually. Um, because you realize how crazy Victorian England was. They had some weird things that they did, and this is one of them. It's called yeah. Death Mask. Yeah, that, that is weird. All right, Nicholas in Creedmoor has joined us. Nicholas, how you doing? Welcome to Heart Health Radio. You're on with Dr. Franklin Weefault. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a great show. Thank you. Um, 
I work in healthcare, and my question is about vitamin D because uh, it seems like every time we check this, it's technically low. Uh, and so people get put on vitamin D here, there, and everywhere. And yet when I look for the evidence of it actually correcting any disease state or any symptoms, it's very weak. So I would just like your thoughts on uh, how necessary it is to be taking all this vitamin D. That's a great question, and, you know, I agree with you. It, it's sort of like looking at the world in reverse, okay? So COVID patients who were low in vitamin D tend to have a worse outcome. But what they haven't studied yet, and there's some, there's some studies that show perhaps, but they haven't shown that if your vitamin D is low and you take a bunch of vitamin D and get it high, that you could correct the COVID problems. They've also not been able to show that those patients with bad COVID and low vitamin D get better when you give vitamin D. So it's a big fad now. And every time I draw, you know, a bunch of labs on a patient, I include a vitamin D. And when it's really low, I go with the flow and give them a vitamin D supplement. Because, you know, we're taught that you want to have a good vitamin D for bones, immune health, muscle health, and brain health, and heart health, whatever kind of health you want. But I agree with you. Data is not there. The data are not yet there to prove that supplementing vitamin D actually corrects these health problems that come from a low vitamin yeah. D, although it makes sense that it would. And vitamin D can be toxic if you take a huge amount. Sure. But right. I, I, at this point in time, recommend that uh, you go with what your doctor seems to think is appropriate for you. Well, let me extend that by asking another vitamin question. Uh, I work in a hospital setting, and a lot of the long-term care residents are coming in taking vitamins, and they don't have an alcohol history. They're not drinking in, in the nursing home, right? but they're being put on, on vitamins, and I don't understand why. Do you have any idea? All right, well, hold on just a moment, because we temporarily lost Dr. Weefald. You heard a click. He's He's dialed back. And if I hear this correctly, you want to know from Dr. Weefald why patients would be put on thiamine? Correct. Correct. Typically, yeah. that's done in the Go setting ahead. of alcohol abuse. Are you there? So, yeah, thiamine is probably the only person that thiamine is good for is the chronic alcoholic. I mean, let's put it this way. The only one that has been proven to be good for is the alcoholic. We used to... When the alcoholics would come in and we would treat them with tender loving care, we give them sure. what we call a banana we give them a banana bag. I don't know if you've ever heard right. of that. But it's you get a saline solution and you put thiamine in it, you put folic acid in it, because they can get thiamine deficiency really badly. And it is uh something that um should not be a knee jerk routine thing that you take. It can't hurt you. B vitamins can't hurt you, okay? You can take a mega dose of a B vitamin, and it will go right out of your system. That's how you can tell you're taking a B vitamin, because if you take one of these mega Bs that's got all the Bs in it, your urine turns a very bright yellow color. So that just shows you that it's going out of your system. Hmm. So. Well, thank you very much. I enjoy your show. Thank you, Nicholas. I appreciate hey, you calling. Have a great day. Yeah, I'm sorry I cut myself off here. 
All I'll right. Talk. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Nicholas. Listen, coming up, we're going to talk about, uh, ironically enough, this article about drinking red wine and eating cheese causing cognitive decline. I have volunteered for the follow-up study uh, for this and and other things, including a shout-out, a very special shout-out coming up on Heart Health Radio. This is the Heart Health Radio Network, Heart Health Radio with Dr. Franklin Weefald, a millennia cardiovascular. And, Doctor, you got a special shout-out. Special. Well, you know, Shorty's a, a good uh, a, a caller. that She calls it all the time. Lily Langston, a.k.a. Shorty. Yeah. She, she went on a little trip, and she called me, and she had a cough, congestion, wasn't feeling very well. And so we did her COVID, and guess what? It came back positive. Wow. Now, she is in that risk factor of 5% mortality, and she's 100% better. Now, I didn't treat her really with anything, except I gave her some prednisone. And that was because I would have given prednisone for any type of bronchitis that she had. And she's 100% better. What this goes to show you is it's not a fatal illness for all. Um, Shorty did take precautions. She wore a mask. She kept her social distance, but somehow she got it. And, right. You know, the other thing that that this shows is that she's very particular about taking care of her cardiac problem. She takes her medicine. She has her follow-ups. Her blood pressure's under control. Yeah. She doesn't have a glucose problem. And she came to the doctor during the initial phase where everybody was afraid to come to the doctor. And we we made adjustments, and she's doing great. You know something? This whole COVID thing has got to be a wake-up call for people who have ignored certain things. I'm almost ready to take care of my health. Well, you better. Very nearly. I'm, I'm very nearly. Well, I tell you, tell you what. We've set out the pill bottle. I'm the pill bottle guy, okay? The, the pill capsule thing, you know, you flip it open yeah. and you got today's pills. I thought I would never do that, but yes, we're we're doing that. Hey, listen, there's this there's this story that people have been paying attention to. Um, basketball player Keontae Johnson collapsed during a game, and they said he actually had COVID over the summer. Yeah, what's going so on? Here's, yeah, here's the thing. Um, this is a classic cardiovascular thing, and I when I was at uh, Notre Dame. I had a basketball player who eventually became a pro. Right. He had a cardiomyopathy, and his cardiomyopathy was a uh, genetic thing, and his heart was too thick. When the heart muscle is not of an appropriate size and strength, either too strong or too weak, the electricity that powers the muscle, that tells the muscle to contract, can go haywire because of scar tissue, and scar can sometimes randomly conduct electricity in a certain fashion. Well, COVID is now known to infect the heart in certain individuals who we think have a genetic predisposition. So athletes like uh, Trevor, the guy who's the quarterback of Clemson, yeah, they're going to they're going to play Notre Dame today. We're going to crush him. He got COVID, and they did an MRI of his heart. Now, what does that mean? The MRI measures the electromagnetic property of the heart, and you can tell when somebody's had an infection by COVID in their heart muscle. They generally recover. But the lesson here is 
But if you had COVID and you're a high-intensity um, athlete, you need to have your heart checked out before you return to that intensity of exercise. Because in the slight chance that you've gotten COVID infection in the heart, you could be at high risk for collapsing due to an electrical abnormality. Now, luckily, at that game, they have always the appropriate uh, resuscitation equipment, like a defibrillator. Sure. All of those medical personnel are well-knowledged. Now, he's in critical but stable condition, and let's pray over these Christmas holidays and actually any day that Kayante recovers 100%. Well, you know, a a seemingly healthy athlete literally falling. They won't show the video on ESPN, and I'm glad they don't, but literally falling to his face, you know, falling. And so what what happens in that situation is you have an arrhythmia, and what does that mean? It means the electricity is not beating in a controlled, regular fashion. So the heart sort of flutters, and when that happens, you can't pump the blood that maintains your blood pressure, and you fall. That's called syncope, S-Y-N-C-O-P-E. There are lots of different causes of it. But in this case, with a cardiac problem, it's right. almost 99.9% an electrical abnormality disturbance that prevents the heart from pumping and you collapse. All right. Drinking red wine and eating cheese could cause cognitive decline. I think I read this somewhere. I, I did. You did? You know, yeah. And here's the thing. Could it be true? Yeah, I suppose it could be true. And I, but, you know, I hope that you don't go out and go to Harris Teeter and buy a bunch of cheese and drink a bunch of wine. And, you know, you're going you're gonna to have changes in your cognitive behavior because you're going to be drunk. have high blood pressure. I mean, and I want people to know that when they read these articles, they they should not take them at face value. Right. The studies are retrospective. They say, okay, let's find some people who've been drinking a lot of white wine and eating a lot of cheese (laughs) and see if they're smarter than everybody else. And there's no way that they could tell you that it causes I mean, that it prevents cognitive decline. All right. I like my cheese and I like my wine. Yes. They would have to do a study over 70 years or 60 years to find out if this is true. Well, again, I've volunteered. As long as I'm not in the control group, I'm good with this. Okay. Some cheese. I mean, would it be Limburger? I mean, would you eat Limburger cheese and MD 2020 wine? I'm fine with that. Whatever it is. I don't know what those things are, but sure. You know, I got to say. 2020 is the. Thunderbird, you know, you you buy it, you put it in a paper bag, and you go lie in the street. And Limburger <laughs> cheese is the smelliest cheese that ever. <laughs> really? Existed. Okay. All right. Listen, there's something from a Harvard professor. He says coconut oil is pure poison. And, well, he, and this is a yeah. Coffee is good for you. Coffee is bad for you. Yeah. Coconut water, coconut oil is good for you. Coconut oil is bad for you. Right. I don't think you can make that judgment. I don't think you can say anything. First of all. I don't like coconut, okay? It's kind of weird texture. The only coconut I can eat is in an Almond Joy. Yeah. You know, have you ever had one of those? Like, yes, yeah, sure. Not so, lately, but, you yeah, know. Yeah, here's the bottom line. Don't go out and eat 17 coconuts. Nobody wants to do that. But don't think that anybody who says this, is that this is good for you or that's bad for you, has any way, shape, or form of knowing whether it's good for you or bad for you. Right. If you like coconut, every now and then have some coconut. 
There's no way that this Carver guy can tell you that you should stop eating all coconut. I mean, it's just nuts. It's nuts. I'm getting a little annoyed at what I call popular press websites with headlines that just are clickbait. Yeah. And, And, you know, the thing about a Harvard professor. Yeah. He's got better things to do with his time than to talk <laughs> about whether you should eat coconuts. Yeah. But it's no longer publish or perish. It's be on TV or right. perish. And if you want to be chief of cardiology at Duke, you yeah. need to be on TV. You really? Yeah. And it's a shame. There's something it's, it's in... All about, it's all about attracting patients and being famous. Something in my stack um, from a website called Eat This, Not That. Oh God! All right. Now it started out as a as a food website, but it's branched off. Brain tumor signs you should never ignore. One of them is a headache. Yeah. Uh, worst headache of your life. You get a terrible headache. Don't ignore it. A headache that wakes you up. These are these are are these decent pieces of advice? Yes, and and let me tell you why. Um, every time that I have had somebody tell me that this is the worst headache of their life, yeah, and, and you know, if they're straight shooters, I found something wrong. And the worst headache of your life, that is the time that you should definitely call your doctor and let them know. All right. If it, because it can be a, an intracranial hemorrhage, a bleed in your brain, that's the number one thing you want to make sure you don't. Dr. Weefold, their time has expired. No way. Yeah, we're done. Thank you very All much. Right. We've got All a rerun coming next uh, hour on the Heart Health Radio Network. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.